All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, it could be personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood, but the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they're not just salespeople. I think they're great human beings throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, I am giddy at this uh, guest. This is uh, somebody I've been uh, putting on my list uh, for a long, long time. I know dearly, so close to me. You know, she helps startups hire sales leaders without the cringe. I I just love that statement. She's the founder and CEO of Avenue Talent Partners. She's a two-time entrepreneur. This is her second venture. She's also, when she was an account executive, closed over $100 million in revenue and counting, by the way, because you know she's still in sales as an entrepreneur. She's a LinkedIn top sales voice, host of Thursday Night Sales, where I really got to know her well. She's one of the greatest people connectors that I've ever met. Please welcome none other than... Amy Bolas to the podcast. Welcome, Amy. Thank you, Alex. I mean, wow. It's weird to hear me in all of those scenarios. So I appreciate you. We have tried to do this for a long time. And most of the time it's been me having to move things around. So I really appreciate you being patient. Thank you. I appreciate you making any time. I know your time is valuable. So we'll we'll get right to it. For those of you that uh, may or may not know Amy, this just beautiful human being person is is really a catalyst in my life. The sales community that we can you know just briefly talk about, I highly suggest for anyone in sales or just even thinking about uh, sales and just really digging into topics uh, that just are so wide ranging and help you really hone your craft in sales. That's where I got to know Amy through this uh, great great sales networking group called Thursday Night Sales. They meet weekly. And um, she has this connector mindset of people that give that she wants to help out. And she helped an introduction to me to get into uh, to where I am currently at with Docebo in a sales role. So first off is, is gratitude. Thank you so much, Amy, just for that community. And I don't know if you want to say why you started that community and what you feel like you get out of it. So I started it with Scott. Actually, Scott started it with Justin Welsh and... Justin wasn't able to attend. Like it was like the second week and I just on Scott's podcast and we connected on a different level of like, wow, we're talking about this. This is cool. And he said, I need a co-host. Would you mind? And the rest is history. I didn't know what it was at the time. And I had no idea that it would be what it is today. And when I do look back on my career, I know that I'm going to be really proud that I decided to do this and that, I mean, it's almost two years later and here we are. And so I think my why has shifted. It was doing a solid for my friend (laughs) at (laughs) first and being like, oh, you know, a sales happy hour in March when COVID is just starting and raging and nobody had any answers and we were all scared and we didn't know what was going on. That was kind of comforting and very cool to be a part of. And then I think the most important piece is, well, what's kept me this whole time And as I've grown and evolved in my career, it's really interesting to think about when you have an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, the beauty of things that happen. And really this 
last chunk of my career, I've learned it. I wasn't always this way. And it's been really rewarding to understand that the concept of getting better together, which is what I talk about a lot, like it's real, it's true in real life. And that's a big part of my why in my own business. But with Thursday night sales, when you have people like you that show up consistently for over a year plus and want to be part, and it's not just Scott and I, it's like part of a group, part of other people that are trying to get better too. I mean, to watch people help each other, to watch people get to know each other, to watch people kind of celebrate each other or be there for each other when things get hard. It's the kind of, the kind of, you know, this, so it's weird for me to talk about it because you're part of it, but I'm trying to think of for anybody that isn't there with us, you don't really know what it is until you get there. And it's either you love it or it's not for you. It's a safe place. I work really hard to try to make it a safe place where we can all be vulnerable. Me too, to have real talk. And sometimes that talk is hard and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's silly. And sometimes it's straight up business. And it's not just for sales. We have marketers, we have founders, we have CS, we have different stages of leadership. We have entrepreneurs, we have consultants. And it's a really special way to get an idea of how different people think through lessons learned to get better together. And so my why is I want to leave this ecosystem that I care so much about. Sales is my first business love. Startups would be my second. And I care deeply about it. I want to leave it better than when I came into it. And my intention is to help people understand the things that I've learned and oftentimes learned the hard way to help them get out of their own way. And look, you're a shining example of that. You showed up. I saw you show up. I broke my own rule. You know this. I've said this too many times. If you're not a candidate of mine and if you're not a client of mine, I don't get involved because it's how my business is set up, right? That would not be good business. And so I tend to stay out of those things. And I just saw you and I saw how much you cared about your own career and trying to figure it out and trying to get it right and trying to recover from not being employed at the time and really showing up for yourself to take care of yourself. And it was like, I saw this person that wasn't just saying it, but really was doing it in practice too. And I saw that and I was like, wow. And so on this crazy day, right? Like, and I'll never forget it last summer. I can tell you, I was sitting outside on my deck up at the lake and you were there and Alessio was there from Docebo. And I know Alessio and Kyle was there from Lessonly, And I know Kyle and I knew you. And I took it upon myself to break my own rule to say, okay, so here's the deal. Alex is looking. He's great. He comes from sales. He comes from HR tech. That's adjacent to what you're doing. How about this? Kyle, lessonly, you're hiring like it's nobody's business. And Alessio DeChebo, you're hiring like nobody's business. Please meet each other and I'm out. And you got the job and you had to do all the work to get that job. And you're thriving in that job. There will never be a way that I can fully describe what that means to me and how it feels to know that I have a little like microcosm of a part of that and affecting somebody's life in a good way. There are lots of ways that we can affect things in an icky way. I don't want to be part of that. I want to be part of this. And that has everything to do with this. So a very long drawn out answer to a very short question, but that's why that's what keeps me coming back for more. And that's part of the magic of what Scott and I have created. That's a great answer. And I wanted to see where you would go with it because I feel like that philosophy of how you look at 
the community being it's an abundance mindset. It's not a transaction. It's a really an infinite mindset. I, I'll use that coin that Simon Sinek term too. You don't think about what you didn't necessarily think, okay, you know, Hey, I'm going to do this for Alex, him a solid. I expect something back in return. It was, Hey, I know the power of this, just what I'm doing, my intentions and, you know, call that karma coming back. That's really the essence of sales too, is that if you're thinking of doing something just for now, someone cannot be a fit right now. Maybe a person that you're speaking with, you know, is is in a different role right now, but they could be in a different role a couple of years from now. I think I've heard you say this. They, they could be your boss in a couple of years, but now you think they're they're not on your level. So you're always thinking long term uh, about how these things. Some of them, you know, come back to you, and some of them don't. But it, that wasn't the intention. It was really to just be real, just be put out good into the world, do good things, be a good connector, and these things the possibilities are endless with something like that. Right. So there are two things there. Good begets good and like attracts like. And so if I could go out on that limb for that moment to break my own rule, which I don't do, like I really, I've been, there's a reason why I have it. I've been burned a bunch. And so to do that, instead of being like, well, I've been burned, I'm not going to, but instead of leaning into the moment and seeing an opportunity and knowing that it would probably work out well in the end, and leaning into the good, that's like, I want to lead by example. I want to show people that, you know, there are lots of different shades of gray. And the, one of the things that I love is Scott and I, we disagree a lot. We are different people. We grew up in this world differently. We've had different experiences. He's not right. I'm not wrong. I'm not right. He's not wrong. It's being able to have healthy discourse to show people we're not canceling each other. We're not mad at each other. We're trying to do this to show people that there are lots of different ways to cross the finish line. What's the right way for you? And Alex, it has been an honor and a pleasure to watch you kind of rise, lean in, shine and grow and thrive as a result of it. That's the stuff. Like, so not to belabor the point, but that's what it's about for me. And that is, it's being an ambassador of the startup sales profession to show and to lead by example that you don't have to be a self-serving dirtbag to do good business, to get ahead. I'm doing just fine in my life. And I give of myself every week. You know, I spend hours at TNS every week because it matters and it matters to me. It's not just, oh, for the people I show up for you. It's not that at all. It's like, wait a second, you know, especially where it gets a little later, I have fun. We giggle. It's a weird time in life right now. If you can't get together with people and genuinely have real talk and try to get better together while also having a few laughs along the way and sometimes a few tears, depending on what we're talking about, that's that safe place that like, it, it just has an indelible impression on my life as well. So I will leave that there to answer your question and then some, and then some, and then some, so I'm going to pull myself <laughs> I'll, I'll put a bow on it. I, I, I said this uh, quote, I, I think I wrote it on someone's post on LinkedIn, but it's not like you don't, you aren't just about like you, you don't want to make money. You, uh, you are concentrated on uh, running a business and making a profit, but I do think you get energy from not just the bills. You also get it from creating these moments of getting these chills in people and in moments and situations, whether it's laughs, cries, whatever, 
you get energy from that. So I just love you for that. I want to talk a little bit about, so for people that are listening that, you know, they're at different stages of their sales career, um, just kind of how you became who you are and where you are. You said you weren't always this way, you know, maybe this better together mindset or maybe this, you know, just relationships first mindset. Can you talk to me about maybe kind of like the earliest days? I think I've heard you say you kind of stumbled into sales, maybe at, you know, newspaper jobs early in sales. I've, I've also been in the newspaper industry. I've uh, sold newspaper advertising. Uh, I was a newspaper boy. So maybe you could talk a little bit about just kind of like your earliest memories of when you just began to learn kind of what sales was and, and maybe what's changed from maybe the first version of Amy learning sales to, to who you are now. I mean, I think this version of this abundance piece has always been inside of me, but it just had been screwed over a few times. And so I leaned into protecting myself versus realizing that. So it's kind of like fight or flight versus just being vulnerable to say, well, there are good people and there are bad people and you're accountable to the decisions that you make and the people that you surround yourself with. And if you start seeing these signals, you can easily back out like a little baby lobster and be okay. I didn't always know that. So I think like, if I go back to my first memories of sales, I grew up with a long lineage of sales folk. And my grandfather has had an indelible impression on me. And and I wish every day that he were here because it would be really cool at this stage of my career to talk to him about business, but he's not. And so I think about the lessons that he helped me realize just by way of how he was. And that was how I grew up. And so my grandparents were very, very close to me growing up, both in proximity, as well as just in, you know, in life. And when my parents got divorced, they lived two and a half blocks away. My parents got divorced when I was four and it was a really hard time for my mom. And we lived with my grandparents for like two and a half years, or excuse me, we lived with them for a year. And then we moved in every two and a half years, we would sort of like move around and they Mm -hmm. would always be there. So long story short, growing up with my grandparents, like they were big going out to eat and entertaining folk. My grandma was a socialite. My grandfather was like a Titan in his industry, but was interesting about him. He was a depression child. And I think that had an indelible impression on him. I don't know how it couldn't. And he had an eighth grade education. And I mean, this wouldn't fly today, but it's like fascinating to me. And he went on to be a fighter pilot in world war II. And then went on to be a commercial pilot. He had like nine different lives. He was like a cat. Like it was like, (laughs) and when I was growing up, right. So that was all way before I was even thought of as a human, let alone being a human. But as I was growing up, he was a Titan in his industry. He was in the steel industry. He had his own businesses. He was CEO, like all these things, like major, major industries and doing major, major business. And I didn't even realize, like as a kid, that's just my grandfather. Like, I don't know, but the way that I was raised is uh, children should be seen and not heard. And I went to manners school after regular school and we would go to these dinners. And, you know, as a child, like think about now when you watch kids go out to eat, like if they don't have a device, like they're like melting down. No, 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 no. That would have never flown, like never flown at that table. And so literally like we would be sitting there 
and you'd be eating your meal and you just sort of be taking it in. And I just remember being fascinated by these conversations. Like people would come up to the table and be talking to my grandfather and they were business people. And I always thought that was really cool. And then growing up, my uncle then worked in my grandfather's business. And now he is a sales executive, actually about to retire, but watching them then go and go into the office and be enamored by like, I still have a thing for office supplies. Like I'm obsessed with a pen. I love pens, but it has to be a good one. It has to write a certain way, like all these things, but I go and like into the office and play with the things and be listening. And then my father is several times over an entrepreneur and again, a scrappy sort of beginning and success and failure along the way. But these things all had indelible impressions on me. And I never thought that they were salespeople. I just thought that they were my family. And if you would have asked me at the time, and especially before, as I was leaving school, I was a criminal justice major. I never thought I'd be in sales. I always had this negative connotation, like so many people do that sales is slimy, that like you have the used car analogy. That's how I always thought about it. And then I found my way into a technology company in the late nineties and 9-11 happened and that was not good. And the economy was thrown into a big downturn, the dot-com bubble. So I was the dot-com company. This is what we called it. That bubble, that bubble burst. And it was not, it's not a great thing. And the company that I was with overnight, like literally just, it was hemorrhaging. And I survived a bunch of layoffs. And finally they were like, look, I was a recruiter, a tech recruiter, which like today, I have no idea who that person is. I'm like, tech <laughs> yeah. what? like is there's no way I'm like C plus plus what? No. <laughs> so long story short, I was brought into the principal's office, which was my CEO's office who we loved. I mean, I, we would have all taken a bullet for him. He was great. And he was like, Amy, look, we love you. There's nothing to recruit for. Look around. And he's like, if you want to stay here, you have to get into sales. And this was like heavy duty enterprise. And there was no training. The company was hemorrhaging. It was just like, kind of like sink or swim. And I will never forget. I was living in the city of Chicago, which is where I'm from. And we worked in a building across the street from the Sears tower. And there was a grassy knoll and I'd go out there for lunch and I would just have like every sales book. Like I remember having Jeffrey Gittimer's little red book of selling and, you know, be dog earing and highlighting and reading and reading Dale Carnegie and like all the things that have clearly had indelible impressions on me. Right. And so even though that company didn't survive that storm and ultimately I moved on and we all moved on, it was like, I was bitten by that bug. And so much for that sleazy sales analogy here, I was loving it and living it and wanting more of it and really wanting to hone my craft. I had realized success early on in my career. I'm thinking about the second part of your question of like, you weren't always like this. No, I think because I was just thrown sort of to the wolves and I had to figure it out. My next role that I had, I had a wonderful mentor, boss, leader, friend, all the things. Um, And he still is this like special, special, special human. He has a very big part of my heart. And it was he and I against the world. And there was a woman that had brought the idea of what I was into expand and sell to the table, but had a really hard time selling it. And they weren't sure if it was because of the dot-com bubble bursting, the economy, like what was going on, they weren't sure. And they needed somebody to, to 
validate it. So I was the quintessential guinea pig, which has been a common theme throughout my entire sales career. So here I am. And this woman spent all of her time in my own territory and taking opportunity away from me. And so, no, I'm not going to have an abundance mindset. (laughs) I'm going to have a, I need to take care of things mindset and I have to protect myself mindset. And this person is threatening me mindset and being very devious and a bad actor. And so how do I deal with that? And ultimately what I learned through that is if you give somebody enough rope, they hang themselves. I really didn't deal with her. I just focused on what I needed to focus on, but it made me very protective of me because I had, I had stumbled upon some things that made me successful. And then people wanted to know what my secret sauce was because here I am selling big seven figure deals. And I wasn't apt to share because of the way that I was treated. So that's where that came from. Right. And then I realized through the years, and that's kind of like this back half of my career, why I've leaned into it so much is it doesn't matter about anybody else. It matters about what we do. And when you do the right things and you lean into the abundance mindset, it all works out in the end. Even if people are nefarious from time to time, that's okay. That's on them. That'll always catch up to them. I don't have to do that. But what I do know is if I do the right things and I conduct myself the right way, and I was at the time, it's just that people would say, oh, how are you? I don't know. I just am. Like I wasn't a big sharer at the time. And so now to see that person then in their twenties to now this person in their mid forties, it's like, oh my gosh, she grew up and she realized that you can still show up for people, even if they don't always do what you want them to. Even if they're not always your people, by and large, like attracts like, and the right people will keep coming back and you'll be doing the right things with the right people. So, you know, my formula, the right work with the right people consistently equals success. These are all lessons that I've learned. These aren't just like fun little memes that I've created to like put out on LinkedIn. (laughs) These are all the things. So long story, long, long, long. You've got me going down memory lane here. So that's the full circle. That's where it started. And it ended when I realized that it didn't have to be that way. I'm so glad that you shared it because I think, yeah, a lot of people, I want people to learn and take away like things. I mean, you should live life and learn yourself, but you can learn from others. That's at least what I've learned in TNS and, you know, kind of like hearing people's stories. There's so many, they're so wide ranging and some of them we can all relate to. I know a lot of people listening that can relate to somebody, you know, just, Hey, you're giving so much. And then the person's just, um, like, it's just, you don't understand why they're not accepting all the stuff that you're giving. I know uh, a lot of friends in similar situations, uh, my, my wife, like you, you just feel like you should get back what you, you give. And sometimes like you, you can stress yourself out because ultimately you can't control what other people do. You can only control what you put out and what you, uh, your intentions are in the world. So that's a really good representation of it. I want to transition a little bit into like, you know, maybe some, just some tactical things. Like you wrote this article that I feel like can just like stand the test of time. And I feel like we can build on it. And when I asked you to be on this podcast, I was like, I want to look at sales through the lens of human connection. You're like, how could I say no to that? Cause I feel like, you know, like attracts, like I'm, you sold me on you and, and, and the community just based on what you, your approach and what you put out in the world and your philosophy on on sales and, and truly being about understanding people, seeking to truly, truly understand what's going on at the root cause of people. That's at the crux of, of everything. And so maybe you can kind of 
talk a little bit about just kind of like being human in sales. What does that, that mean to you? And then maybe we can talk about ways that I know you could probably talk a lot about this, but maybe some key things first starting about just sales in general, and then maybe go into what you're doing right now. You're, you're helping people find jobs. So I'd love to, the dynamics between job seekers and employers, how could that experience be, you know, words more human? I think the realization is that I don't have all the answers, even if I show up to Thursday night sales and I have learned a thing or two, I still, I learn from Scott every week. I learn from people that are part of the conversation every week. It's one of the reasons why I love your recaps afterwards. It's like, oh my gosh, that was an interesting takeaway. And I, I heard it differently, like interesting. So that directly correlates to being human in sales, in life, in our relationships, ultimately every person, because we are still human. So this is why it matters so much. This is why it means something to me. The bots have not taken over, right? So like I'm still a living, breathing, walking human being as you are. And until that changes, which I hope it doesn't change anytime soon because then we have a bigger problem. But until that changes, the human condition is this. Ultimately, as humans, we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be understood on every side of the equation, right? So it, you as a seller, me as a buyer, me as a recruiter, you as a husband, me as a friend, right? Like I'm just going through all these different use cases because when you're doing things with other people in business, in life, whatever it might be, you're typically doing it with another person involved. And if all I'm doing is showing up just based solely on my own agenda to your earlier point, no, I am not a nonprofit organization. I care about making money. I enjoy the fruits of my labor, but not at the expense of what I deem is the ick, right? And when you do the right work with the right people consistently, I've never really thought about the numbers in my career. It just mm-hmm. all seems to work out because mm-hmm. I focus on that. And the reason why I focus on that is for me, I get major energy off of people. And part of that is I genuinely am interested in what makes them tick. And I realize that they're not all the same. So when you think about sales, right? Putting your same buyer persona into the same 80 point checklist cadence approach leaves so much opportunity on the cutting room floor or over segmenting the sales process from this to this to this to this. Some of the biggest nuggets of gold that serve us later. We don't even know that they'll serve us right now, but when we're seeking to understand, when we're listening, what the other person is saying, and I weave that in later when it's the right time, you now feel like you're seen, heard, and understood. And it's not a game. It's showing up to have a conversation, to learn, to understand as a wife, as a friend, as a co-founder, as a founder, as all the things that I serve in my life, it's not just the Amy show. It's that Amy has a lot of other people in her world and to do her world in what I feel like is the most rewarding way. It's not just me showing up to talk at, it's about with. And so that's what I mean by this is you can't have just like a one-sided scenario. That's just not the world that we're living in. And so stopping to remember that, that seeking to understand is not listening to objection handle or to sell or to push or to respond. It's, I'm going to ask you a question and I genuinely want to know, and I don't know how you're going to answer it, 
But what I do know is I will respond in earnest because I'll be prepared because I really want to have this discussion. When I really want to have this discussion, I'm usually prepared. And if I don't know, that's okay because people value honesty. So that's the first part of it, I think. And all the other things that you wanted me to cover, I don't remember. So I'm going to need your help to guide me here, but that's how I think about it up front. I think a lot of it, what you just said applies to this, but so you're helping connect job seekers and specific to sales and SaaS startups to great opportunities. And in that process, the interview process, the whole job seeking process, all the steps involved, there's, you know, two people, the, the, the job seeker and the hiring manager or the person who's going to offer that person the job. And I feel like there's so much ick in your statement. I help people hire. I help startups hire without the cringe, you know, and like, you, you know, the cost of a bad hire, it's a million dollar problem. And you probably know maybe what the, the ick looks like from the employer side, like some of the questions asked processes and from the job seeker side, you probably know icky things that job seekers do being too pushy, trying to skip steps, go around people, that sort of thing. So curious to know, because a lot of people out there, I know tons of people through the community, they're looking for new opportunities. Some people have opportunities and maybe looking for something better. And they just, I, I feel like they, you know, for lack of a better term, they, they walk on themselves or they shoot themselves in the foot, however you want to say it without needing to be, and they can just be a little more human in that process. So maybe from the employer side and the job seeker side, what are some, some ways you think that process that you would hope could uh, be more real? Yeah. So you're right. I do help. So for anybody that's here, cause I forgot you wanted me to answer that. We work with A and B round startups to help them hire VP plus for sales, CS and rev ops. And you're absolutely right there is a problem on both sides of the table. And I think one of the things that I'm here to do that helps anybody involved. So my customer is twofold. It's not just the client that pays my bills. It's also the candidate that's taking a leap of faith to make a career move. And there's a very big difference between a job move and a career move. And this is applicable to employers and it's applicable to anybody considering something new. I find that a lot of the time an employer will get, not get, but something will occur that will then make them feel like they need to hire. It could be the person didn't work out. It could be they got funding. It could be a variety of different symptoms. You want to go up market, whatever it might be, drives the need to think about hiring. And then usually, and I say usually because it happens more than it doesn't, it's like, well, this is the signal and everybody else talks about the signal. So because everybody else is doing this, I should too. And I think the good work that I'm doing is to be that gut check of maybe, maybe not, let's find out why. And I'm bringing this up because the actionable takeaway here is not putting something so important as scaling your business or moves that you make in your career on the back burner, or I call it the back seat versus the front seat. So intentionality is the name of the game here. Who cares about everybody else? It's kind of like that old adage when I was growing up that my mother always said, if everybody else is jumping off a bridge, doesn't mean that you need to either. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. And the same thing applies here. Just because this is what everybody else talks about after they get their A round of funding 
doesn't mean that that's good for you. You still might be validating your market. You still might not have enough revenue to hire a sales leader. You still might need to do that as a founder to do founder-led selling. And just because everybody else is on LinkedIn talking about their side hustles and all this other stuff, or that they went to President's Club, doesn't mean that that's where you are in your career or that that's good for you. And so I like independent thinking. And this is where that seeking to understand, understanding your own self, right? So my manifesto is if I care more about your business or your career than you do, we've got a problem. And so there's a difference between that job and career move. Jobs are more like, I'm going to apply to a bunch of jobs. I'm going to make a move because I'm going to chase a shiny object, like 10K extra in my base salary. And then I'm going to be miserable six months later. All of that shine has worn off and I'm in the day-to-day. Same thing with the employer. So my biggest thing that I could say to anybody that's here is understand why first. Why is it important? Why is the right time? Why does it matter to you? And then you think about the what, and then you think about the how, and then you think about the where. All those things tend to correlate after, but once you're really resolved on why does this matter to me? Why do I want to do this? Why is it the right time? Then you start becoming a lot more clear. And then it's about what? Well, what is the work? What is the work that I really like doing? So I can't tell you how many times people tell me I could be CS, I could be partnerships, Mm, I could be sales, I could be a sales leader. And I'm like, no, you lost me. You're not clear. When you're not clear, I can't be clear on your behalf. What is it? What is your superpower? What is the thing that you do the best? Because you know what? You can't do everything well. It's a great answer. We don't ask ourselves a lot of questions. We kind of are jumping a lot of times. And now I'm sure you're seeing it so much. We had a conversation on uh, Thursday Night Sales a uh, uh, few weeks back or around just the market and unemployment. And now that it's kind of shifting back to you know, where unemployment's going lower and, and frankly, a lot of people are working there's being a lot of money thrown around. And it's funny that people think, okay, well, money will get people to move. And for some people it, it is, but there's so many other things besides that. And maybe what people are looking for, or maybe what gets them to move, you know, it, they're led first by that, as opposed to responsibilities or their work day or their future or what they're going to be doing. And um, if you don't ask yourselves those questions, you're lured easily by that $10,000 increase or you're lured by that quick hit when that could look great. But if you're doing something that just isn't fun and exciting, that luster will fade so quickly. And um, we, we need to be asking ourselves a whole lot of questions. And I know you, you, know, you, you have a great way to kind of look at scoring different things that are important to you as well. So. Uh, Did you just say scorecard? I'm thinking about like, oh, let's make this actionable, a scorecard, right? Like, and, and by the way, the reason why I'm so outspoken about this and the reason why I have this scorecard that I've written and I share freely with people is because I made the mistake myself, Hmm. both when I hired people and both as, as a person in their career. And when I got it wrong, I vowed to myself because it sucks. Like it's more than a seven figure problem. It's just, it, it holds you back. It makes you feel icky. It's like any bad relationship that you're in, you're miserable. And at work where you spend more than eight hours a day, you're miserable. And so I'm like, how do I not 
get myself into this. And that's the thing where it's like, wait, I chased the shiny objects. I took a really big increase in my base and I didn't pay attention to the little voices that came up. I just shoved them down, shoved them down, shoved them down. And those little voices hit me over the head, like a ton of bricks on day one. And it's like, if I would have dug into this further, if I would have had some sort of rubric or method or something to root me in reality and not just what I'm telling myself. And that's the thing is the stories that we tell ourselves, they're not always rooted in reality. They're a portion of it. And so how do you help yourself to get out of your own way in spite of yourself? You know, like, how do you do this? And that's why that scorecard in the journal method that we talk about at TNS all the time. And if anybody wants to see it, all you have to do is go to my website, which is avenuetalentpartners.com. And you can, in the search box, go journal and scorecard and voila, there it is for you. And it's exactly what I do every day that has helped me get out of my own way and drastically reduce the margin for error. And isn't that a gift? So I love how you say like, help yourself get out of your own way and in spite of yourself, because we will all inevitably do it. We're human beings. We're real people. We Things are attractive to us. Money is attractive. Let's just be honest. We can't just say, okay, we're not in it from the, all right, well, yeah, but money does talk <laughs> and it gets us to look and pay attention. But those things you just mentioned give you pause. They help you make a huge decision the right way and have a conversation with yourself. Because how do you have a conversation with yourself if you don't know when to start? You're just like, okay, yeah, uh, money would be great. I could do a lot more things. I'd have a lot more freedom. But then there's so many specific things to a career, to, like you say, a career move and a job move. So many different decisions to running a business, to hiring someone it's not just the money, right? It's growth in the business. A, a bad hire can stifle companies, uh, one, you know, to a small business. It could be detrimental to a culture. Um, it could be so much more than just money. So why make those decisions alone? I feel like it, it gives you, it, at least to me, gave me a, another person to talk to with myself because I know myself hopefully better than anyone, but you, you don't know yourself completely you need outside help. You need someone to bounce ideas off of, right? To fully know yourself. You're right. It's a gift for yourself. <laughs> I could talk to you for so long, Amy. I'll, I'll just kind of wrap up. One of the things like just when I always hear you speak about just kind of being a new human in sales, this is all, you know, everyone has the capability of doing this. This isn't just something that gifted you know, you, you go to sales school for, or that you need to have the title for, like you said, this is something that everyone, you know, throughout businesses have, are doing without even realizing it. If you kind of listen to this back, you're listening to people to truly understand if you're doing that, if you're, if you really genuinely care about people, that is at the core, what great salespeople are doing. And they're not thinking about, okay, how will this make my, my check? They're doing some of these things to then at the end the money, all of that is a residual of all these things that you were, you're saying, hopefully I can, we can change the mystique or the, the negative stereotypes about it with, with conversations like this and other things. So keep it going on. Uh, I'll end off with a fun question. So I feel like we're all just these unique human beings. And that's part of what makes sales great is that, like you said, in TNS, like you hear the, all these different perspectives, people hear things a different way. People have different experiences they share and 
the craft gets better with this knowledge, this, this peer-to-peer knowledge. So my question is a fun question about uh, the unique human being that you are. So what is, Amy, if you can look at yourself, what is just something about you? This could be something about you. This could be a event that if I talk to your close friends, your husband, something that is just so totally Amy, something that, you know, just it could only be something that Amy would do, uh, something that could only or wouldn't only happen to Amy Volus, you know, what would that one thing be that only really you would do or would happen to you if it's an event? That I could be talking to people all day long and it could be 12 hours straight and I'd still want to talk to them. <laughs> you, I mean, CNS, it could go like three, four hours and you're like, how does Amy do this? Is I hope her husband, you know, knows her well enough to know that she's not just uh, blowing him off or whatever. It's truly what energizes you just talking uh, to people 12 wow, hours and hours. Yeah. I mean, because by the time CNS happens, right? Like there have been days where it's like, I've had 11, 12, 13 Zooms back to back to back to back. My day has started really early and I'll go till midnight plus on TNS. There is something about, and it's funny because I've, I've studied myself in the way of coaching and therapy and things, you know, like, and it's just interesting. I get a lot of energy from other people. Now I can also have alone time. But if you had to give me a choice, I'd always choose to hang with people. And some of the best moments of TNS happen at 1 a.m. That would have never happened had that moment not been there. Luckily, my husband already knows Thursday nights they're out. And so we catch up in other ways. But like, truly, I know lots of people that are like, I have a threshold for like a half an hour and then I have to go. And it's like, I could hang here all day long and and I could literally walk into an airport Starbucks and leave knowing everybody in the line and what their favorite drink is and why it is and what that is and genuinely be interested. And my husband cringes every time he's like, nobody cares. And I'm like, no, I think it's interesting. He's like, maybe you do, but they don't care to tell you what I'm like, no, look at their smile on their face. Somebody actually asked them what their favorite drink was. And you know, like, okay. So I could talk to anybody at any moment. It could be 3am and you've woken me up because I have to go on an early, early flight and I'm still a little groggy and I get into the Uber and I'll just be chatting up, you know, Hey, what's going on? (laughs) What was the craziest thing that happened in your car? And those are like always the most fun conversations. So, you know, I just think that there's something like, there's always something to be understood or learned. And when you do, it just gets you thinking in a different way. None of us have all the answers. We never will. And that's the exciting part about it all. So there you go. Great answer. <laughs> I'm so similar. I mean, I, uh, I just love my wife. Like, so like, she's like, please, can you just like be, you know, just sit here with me, talk to me. Like I'm interesting. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm with you all the time. Like there's so many, it's not like, you know, I'm choosing someone else over you. It's just like, you know, how I like, man, that person just looks really super interesting. I, I wonder what or what their story is. And, and I bet you, you hear so many things when you hear it, like you, an Uber driver, what's the craziest thing that happened in your car? Or you just, you know, ask them a question, what, where are you from uh, originally? What was life like growing up for you? you hear something that you never would have expected on hearing and 
isn't that the greatest part in sales too? You're asking questions and you get back answers you could have never expected. And it's really a dance. You're kind of like building off and it's all about the conversation. So, so thankful for you for, for offering that up there. Because we're coming to a close, Amy, how can people continue to have the conversation with you and do it in a human way? And, and where can they, they find you? Well, you can always show up to Thursday night sales. So that's, I feel like the most obvious way, but I also spend a bunch of time on LinkedIn, as you know, and I try to be really engaging and responsive and starting conversations, being part of conversations and doing that thoughtfully. AvenueTalentPartners.com. That's my website. And every which way to contact me is there. And so those are the different methods. So thank you for asking and for having me on to have this conversation. I appreciate you. I appreciate you more than words, Amy. Thank you so much for the conversation. Hey gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.